0: Else is already
1: said best. This is the best. best the best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are.
0: What is best
1: in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best.
2: The best, 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 best. This, uh, I was explaining to people the other night,
1: but I might have got it a bit wrong. This is just the end of something for, for you to.
2: And uh, that's why we're playing these concerts, and uh, we're throwing a party for ourselves and you. It's no big deal, just we have to
1: go away and just dream it all up again.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Best of the Best podcast with myself, Connor Keys, as always beside me, Mister Ronan Mullen. That's me. Yes, we are here with you too. Act uh-huh. tongue, baby. <laughs> yeah, we well, we got there. Get off your fucking seats! Um, you just passed out from the shock of Ronan <laughs> Mullen doing something on you too. Here,
2: here's here's how this came about. Very quickly,
0: I suggested it. I know,
2: and Connor. Took it graciously. He never <laughs> rubbed it in, to be fair to him. And I never got any. Oh, I, all the slobber and all that, at all. So fair play. Although uh, I'm sure it was know, up eh?
0: there with the 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 shock of the the dual love for Waterworld. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did not know there was there was the love for the baby.
2: Yeah, but yeah. Always oh, uh, it has since since it came out. To be fair, it's been.
0: Yeah, so I mean, from uh, from the offset, um, there will be probably a lot of listeners who don't like you two, um, and more specifically, don't like Bono. Yeah, uh, which, which you know, fair yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. But
2: that, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, but what we don't realize, especially people of my generation, my age, is we our teenage years were surrounded by the asshole Bono. Yeah, we don't know the eighties right up to ninety one Bono. Yeah. Because we were ten, yes. So that's why anything before th- this album and before I'll well, include Europa in that too. Because good. Well, this is the thing, right? So uh, there's uh, a
0: lot that we'd missed. If if you if you uh, you probably may not be aware. So I would have been what you would class a diehard U2 fan. Would have been, <laughs> yeah. I would have been not not so much anymore. But in my teens, it was definitely the. Uh, Definitely the soundtrack of my teenage years was was you 2 So I first heard them in July 1993. Okay. And it was because my dear uncle, Stevie, mm-hmm. I was in America in his house in Indiana, and he had just bought Zeropa. Okay. Zeropa had just come out that day, and he was in the Good Album, the first come out. And I remember listening to it in the first lines, <clears throat> Zeropa, Dwarfman Dr. teek. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, and this, Zoroka, so I had no idea it was Joshua. No, Zero was
2: the first album after Acton Baby.
0: After Actung Baby, so this and it was the, meant to be an EP. Yes, yeah, supposed to be an EP, but right. this was all sort of songs that came about uh, during the recording of Actung Baby and sort of mastered by. But ultimately, for me, it was I wasn't joining YouTube bandwagon at the Joshua Tree stage where mm-hmm. they were global and quite mainstream. They really hit me whenever they were. Deemed as alternative Yeah Because let's not forget Zeropa won Best alternative album Grammy award Yeah that's right (laughs) That's right Um, You know so They were definitely changing Things at that time Now I know And this is the thing Can we get that I mean the whole Bano thing You know There's something about uh, The Irish especially Don't like to be preached to. No You know And especially Now in later Now I'm going to talk about The 90s Bono before he got into the sort of world debt. And I know, obviously, they were involved in that with aid and stuff. But the biggest thing that Irish people have uh, about Bono is a oh, fucking tax avoider. Avoid yeah. taxes.
2: It's, it's pretty inescapable considering how morally righteous he is. Yeah. But I know where you're coming from because, I, t- to be fair, late 90s, early 2000s, Bono is as anno- annoying to me as current Bono. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I sort of have other things that are pet peeves, but that one, yeah, a lot of people throw that back in your face. They the do, but,
0: but the facts behind it is... Um, I, I don't actually know the story behind it. Well, they, they this is the thing, you see, so they get absolutely no, uh, zero credit for basing their entire operations in Dublin from 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us. they could have went to New York or wherever, London or wherever normally the big bands would go to. And it's a big operation. Big operation. Principal management ugh, employs a load of people. Um, you've got all the tour guys. All of them are all Dublin based and they kept it there. Round about our perfect prime year, 2007, mm-hmm. when obviously the business heads within the U2 realized, fuck, we're going to get shafted by the banks. Mm-hmm. They relocated to Holland. Mm-hmm. Because the... Irish government, in order to claim back the money that they had lost on what's the bailout, wanted to start charging artists' um, tax Mm -hmm. that they hadn't charged before. Now, there's the argument there that obviously Bono himself, personally, obviously does not need to leave to avoid tax. But if you're running a business and a company, um, and all of a sudden the profits are hit, you're going to want to look for a better offer. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that if you're Bono. You're supposed to stay there and take that. Um, so then, this this sort of uh, but it's only Ireland has this thing with. But it? Google and Apple do doing it? it's fine. Oh yeah, it's okay. That's, don't worry about the thirteen. Oh, don't worry about the thirteen billion that you owe us, Apple. That's fine. I'm still. Are we worrying there? <laughs> worry in case Apple and Google. Oh no, geez, I need my iPhone. Uh, you, you can't have that. But yeah, mm. so that begrudgery thing is kind of exaggerated on top of Bono because of obviously the the stuff that he does. Yeah. But One thing you cannot deny is he's an amazing frontman. Oh yeah. And uh voice wise I like you know, this is the other thing. We 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 don't give the credit where credit's due in that Ireland, let's be honest, on a global market, musically. It's you two. It's you two. We don't have we'd now, we would love to have uh, fucking Nahum would love uh excite me more than to see Bell X One being a global fucking band or the frames or whatever, but it wasn't, it was you two. They no. they were the ones that made um, like wor- worldwide, corner to corner.
2: Yeah, everybody knows U two. The
0: whole way through the nineties, it was always the uh, Q magazine would have always done like uh greatest band of the year uh, or greatest band in the world, and every year it was alternating between U two and R E M. That was the level they were at. They were always at the top, and again, we forget that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You've got, you've got, you like, you had fucking, you had R E M and N X S and all these different bands just hanging about Dublin because that's where U two were from. Yeah. Um, they, they weren't hanging there, as much as we would love them to be sitting there in oh. Dublin, hanging out with Christy Dignam and Aslan, that's not, why they were, <laughs> <laughs> that's not why they were there. They were there because of it you two. It <laughs> would ex- have been a better, a better experience <laughs> yeah. overall. Um, you Probably know, not for musicianship. But maybe not, no. Um, and the other thing you have to do you know, once you vent your hate of Bono and everything he stands for, you also have to like, it can't be that much of a knobhead to have such Friends who are close, close friends. No. That most people don't have and they don't like Sean Penn and Robert De Niro are his two best buddies. Like
2: what's f- happening
0: Like fucking best buds. Lifelong friends. They're they're always together for dinner. They're always their their wives and all their friends, blah blah blah. Like De Niro and Penn fucking Surely yeah. they haven't got that bad a taste in people that but they still have them as a friend.
2: They are pretty Righteous dudes. That's the other thing. Yeah, going to Cuba in the lake yeah. and the like. Yeah, making and th- making documentaries about world hunger and you know, <laughs>
0: well, that was a uh, that was how Michael Hutchins first got in with Bono at the time, um, in nineteen eighty five or something. There was always a story going about that uh, Hutchins first met, met Bono and told Bono a joke and said uh, that uh, something about basically the joke was, oh, he's not God; he only thinks he's Bono. <laughs> 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 and because of the typical fucking mess we become good friends in after that but ultimately bono was trying to be michael hutchins all through the 80s you two were basically turning into an excess at one point mm. um, but the, what they did so this is what gets us to acting baby all through the 80s they took themselves very very seriously um, and
2: were credited for it and then criticized for it
0: yeah they, they started in, in,
2: in a heartbeat, well, Rattling Hum, wasn't it really? Oh, yeah, it sort, yeah, of sort of. Everybody yeah. went...
0: Yeah, uh, and that's what you would have heard then, uh, the speech at the start, and you're wondering why we played that. Mm-hmm. That would have been at the end of Rattling Hum, and that actually was the end of the decade. That was New Year's Eve 1989.
2: Oh yeah, that was New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve
0: 1989, where they decided to that's announce right. that they were going to go and dream it all up again, um, which famously then led to rumours that they were going to break up. Um, and then they returned in full glorious leather uh, with Actong Baby.
2: Which wasn't devised in any... They literally had no idea what to do next. No, not a clue. Um, so you're at the- and this is
0: what I loved about you too. okay? They always adapted, they always changed. Yes, okay, uh, and they, like, they were a punk band. Mm-hmm. That's when they started yeah, out yeah. as a fucking punk band. Like new wave and, yeah. all that. and then by the time they got Forget Unforgettable Fire, as I say, they were edging towards more NXS type thing. But they were still political with, you know, Pride and the Name of Love and all that. And then they get to the Joshua Tree where they just, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. They were in fucking Stetsons and fucking cowboy stuff. and Well, it was, it, was Americana, that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, all that, that a- sort of blues and gospel and all that sort of influence. like. But it paid off. You know, they really the did album, album fucking It's a great
2: album. It's the first album I heard of theirs because Boy had it in vinyl. Still have it in vinyl, the original. It's a yeah, it's a cracking album. And um but not a con-
0: mm.
2: No, but it's That's an entire If you listen to that, yeah. if that was your first experience of U2, that album, and then your second was this, mhm. You'd swear Blind it was two different bands. Two different bands, yeah. Now, there's indicators there. Clearly it's Bono still sings the way Bono sings and now it still sings yeah. back and vocals the way he sings back and vocals. And there's elements of his guitar that mimic things that are in, but the tonal shift Everything, is yeah. fucking incredible. Like, yeah.
0: And it's uh it's, it's clear from the the outset. The album starts off in such a such a unique way. Um we'll play maybe a clip of it. Um and it's probably one of my uh, most favoured intros of any album. Um yeah, because again you have to take into context, like we said, Rattling Hum was nineteen eighty nine, which was again was a vanity project and I know they they went on record to say they've totally regretted it especially Larry Mullen who is the most grounded of the whole lot he's just yeah, he <laughs> seems to speak the most truth
2: <laughs> about just them We're Larry just a pile of hasn't like, fucking changed no, in 1978 exactly.
0: and he just is the grumpiest fucker that doesn't want to do anything that anybody else wants to do um, and he'll be the first one to to pull Bono back down to earth again yeah and uh, but yeah so you, after 1989 and right on Hum. They went away to Berlin. They were um, heavy, the
2: first off. They were heavily criticised for rattling home.
0: Yeah, oh, there was a fucking like it was out in cinemas and there was a movie. Yeah, there's there was a documentary about too it. Much, Bob Dylan's
2: on it. BB King's on it. Yeah. Now there's a glut of mighty tunes in that album, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were covers. Yes, so it isn't an official album.
0: No, so it's they not got, a class as a studio album. Yeah. No, no. So
2: they got major criticism because people thought. You could hear them going up their ass on this mm-hmm. album. They, yeah. You could hear how lazy it's got. Yeah. And it just seems samey now. Yeah. So they heard it. Most bands at that, that size would go, just track on.
0: They're going to fucking buy it now. That's, that, that's why, as much as people, Because it's still sold. Yeah. It's sold a huge amount. As much as people slag me for it, I because you do feel like fucking ashamed to say you're a U2 fan. But I, I, I remember liking U2 in the 90s when it was cool not to like them. Mm-hmm. And then they came, I remember they, you, like in the <laughs> when it was cool. <laughs> and then it comes back around uh, 99, 2000, when Beautiful Day came out. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to go to fucking Slea and everybody wanted to go and see them, and everyone yep. to see that tour. And then, nah, they're away again, yeah, back it to again. It just had a wee peak, was like, but no, this came out, and, and uh, like you say, it was they didn't really know what they were doing. They knew they had to try and find something different. They had taken themselves very seriously through the 80s, political and a lot of very yes. Do you know what I mean? Just serious, like real fucking deep. Yeah, so yeah. this was uh, the start of them, I suppose, if you want to call it having fun. But also exploring musically and sonically because Edge was doing his thing. Um, and you can hear it here. This is a, a perfect example of how uh, how it just was so unique in the sound. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe starts an album with yeah. mm-hmm. such a belt.
0: Mm-hmm. It's off name. And what I love, there's a there's a great documentary about this that it, goes, that it goes into
1: the
0: ah, nice class oh, uh. Uh, is, uh, there's a documentary on the making of the film or the, the album and uh, it's Larry Mullen first trying to figure out the, the time signature of it
2: and is this is this the documentary that came out a few years ago Got, for it?
0: the anniversary yeah
2: yeah. and it was the build up to them playing Glastonbury yes, or something like that yeah. I didn't see the whole thing right? but all I remember about that documentary is Bono giving off flat out <laughs> when they're trying to rehearse because nobody else remembers anything. No, yeah. So again, and I hate to do it, but that's another feather in his cap because it's very clear in any footage I've ever seen of them playing that Bono really has to set the pace for them rehearsing.
0: Because them boys just sit back. In in the musical terms, he is MD. He uh, is he, a musical he's director. Keeping, he keeps them keeps it even. Keeps it and I over. and I, as a fan, I always would have assumed age was like that. So would I. But it's not. It's him. It's, it's sort of saying. It's this many bars, it's that chord, or whatever you know, um, and you know. So whenever you get this coming, I'm, no, this was this was whenever that they first sort of had this track and I had this idea. Mm-hmm. This was back in nineteen ninety. Okay. And uh, Mullen's in the in the in the in the room, the drums, and he can't. It's just oh, right. the timings not, and then all of a sudden it just clicks. He's mm-hmm. got the rhythm, and that's what they all looked at each other and went, "See, when he does get it, that's it. It's done, and yes. that's that's what you hear there in the album."
2: And that must sound class because that's a song that they're really throwing their neck out, like... Yeah. Because, well, you, you but uh, infamously, they didn't do the track listing. They worked on the song for a long time, but they didn't do the track listing. It's like the last day before they had handed in to be yeah. missed. Yeah,
0: they, they're famous for that. They're so they, they hadn't
2: it. a fucking clue what was going to be the first song, so this is a pretty bold It's open. a bold
0: move, because uh, if, if anybody anybody old enough that's listening, which is probably everybody, uh that would have bought CD albums, they usually, for some unknown reason, they usually went with the first track being the single that had just been released. Yeah, it was. So infamous. it usually was a good, uh, good indication the album was something different. When it Especially wasn't. the early 90s. Yeah, when it wasn't a, a single, it was the first track. Uh, so it starts off the guy, and it sort of uh, automatically leads you into a brand new U2 world. As I say, it's similar in the sense you've got the edge with his unique guitar sound, mm-hmm. which came about, and it's another reason why I like U2, is that that camaraderie that they have and that loyalty together is unreal. I mean, um, I think maybe the Beatles might have had what they had because the, the Beatles sort of had uh, George Martin, but they had Paul McGuinness, and it was the first time in, in music business that McGuinness got exactly the same amount as the rest of the band. So there was five members U2 financially.
2: Is that, that's true? That's yeah,
0: they, that was the agreement from the very, very start. So Paul McGuinness was the first member of U2 um, in the financial stake. So... They then that, that the,
2: boy must have had to work his fucking balls off. Oh, he did. no days off. For balls. He did
0: because if you think of back to if you if you know anything about the history, u two back to 78, It even when they were feedback and re- reverb. I think they it called at one point.
2: Actually. What? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they uh, yeah, they were turned down everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody turned down, and, and there was Island Records that took the took the thing. But that was because of Paul McGuinness. Because uh, of his push. Run. Yeah, his push. Right. So they had done that, but they had also then. Let's be honest, Adam Clayton. You know, at that time in, in 1978, if you listen to the first albums, he was, maybe still is, pretty shit on the bass. Okay. Most other bands wouldn't notice that, spot that. And as I know from personal experience, they would just replace that person, you know? Yep. They do that a lot. Mm. <clears throat> but they these boys didn't. Uh, Ronald, you know what they had? Loyalty and faith and friendship. No, it's because uh, he looked really good. <laughs> he looked like a fucking model. <laughs> he
2: fucking weirdo he had the big fucking bushy big white bushy, hair and yeah, all didn't Yeah,
0: he? big blonde hair and the, and the glasses and the, the fucking the, the nice English accent. Skinny white boy. Uh, Which yeah. he
2: never, he moved to Dublin when he was five. Yeah. And that never accent rid, never left. Never left him, yeah. Perfect. Where
0: most other people would just blend in. Nah, he didn't. But, so what happened, instead of getting rid of Clayton, instead of um, realizing, oh shit, he can play like fucking three notes at a time uh per bar that he they age changed the way he played guitar okay to fill in the gaps basically that weren't been filled by clayton so that's why age then got that stance that he has over the guitar he's always trying to fill in so he was always using delays and always using things to Mm -hmm. to bulk up the sound because clayton was so shit um wow and then it became age's unique sound so again it was sort of that I don't know what it is. I mean, that sort of fucking Dublin stubbornness of them going together and going, "No, fuck it, we're going to do this."
2: It's it's a very um, it's a very strange the, the whole band setup is, is strange. If you go back to their mm. early singles, I I always thought that the rhythm section sounded really good in you two. Like I always thought, uh, yeah, but I but mean, maybe it's th- because of that. Like <laughs> like I just said. Maybe if you went to a rehearsal one day <laughs> yeah. and Bono was going, <laughs> no, Adam, that's <laughs> the wrong note, again. They just have a day of telling Adam how to play the bass yeah. again.
0: Uh, that, yeah, that you know. but I mean, it, it then, and this is the joy of it then, the joy of music, is it became their sound. Yeah. You know, if you think of uh, With or Without You and the, the bass line, mm-hmm. it's just so simple, so yeah, but yeah, we're really it, effective but within the like song. It. But then Edge comes in with all these mad fucking guitar sounds. So he is known as the sort of scientist of the band. Uh, mm-hmm. So the Edge just sort of tries everything and anything, and uh, he's constantly working on pedals and distortions and stuff. And if he if you get the opportunity, go and watch the documentary uh, on YouTube with uh, Jimmy Page and uh, it might get loud. Uh, Jack White, yeah, it make it loud, and uh, you'll see. Because I always, I, I, always like, I, I like the fact that they sort of, you've got two absolute maestros like, like Jack White and Jimmy Page who are looking at the edge going, fuck. Enough,
1: you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're starting to realize,
0: starting to give hurt him, yeah. But, but, but they're, they're just starting they're to figure give him a out. wee bit of kudos. You're going, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing there. But even the,
2: the bits where he's on his own and he's just showing the cameraman yeah. how he, he made that noise, yeah. And he's he has to hit about 48 pedals before he gets <laughs> to the <fucking> noise. Look, <laughs> I do love it. So I there's wonder. a wee boy backstage working <laughs> his hole off during well, U2 live. Concert. Well, this is
0: the other thing, so that, that and then, uh, yeah, anybody again knows U2, there is five members playing U2 every single concert. So, uh, Dallas Shoe is down below on, mm-hmm. on the guitar because you couldn't play one guitar doing all those sounds. No. Um, but he's uh, he's there in every show. Um, I'm wondering if there was a. Did you ever. <laughs> I don't know if I can get it here now. Um, you, uh, well,
2: you're looking that up, I'm just going to bring up something. When they stopped uh, at the end of the Rattle and Hum tour cycle, the Bono and Edge had. That was the first time Bono and Edge had started writing music on their own. Uh-huh. And they had wrote songs for different albums they contributed to uh, a, a off-Broadway play about the Clockwork Orange, and they did songs for it. Yes. And it was the first time they'd wrote on their own, and they started to realize, if we're going to go this new direction, it has to start with me and you. Mm-hmm. Where, and notoriously, U2, are everything's credited. Vocals Bono, or lyrics Bono, music U2. Yeah. So they all contribute to music, and that's mm-hmm. a fair uh, Yeah, that was, that was again, part a fair of the split. business model, yeah. Um. But this was the first time that there looked like there was going to be a bit of uh, animosity going mm-hmm. into the studio because they're walking in with basically fully formed tunes that they're just going to tell other people what to do on it. Yeah. But what happened here was they realized they couldn't complete the songs. So when they went into the studio, which we'll talk about in a minute, it was, it was as much work as they had previously done. So I, I think I remember reading a, a clip. There was a clip in a magazine and the edge was like, I might as well not have bothered. i might as well just walked into the studio in berlin and we should have just started from scratch because we would have fought anyway yeah because it was so difficult to to figure out how they're going to write these songs this way and what's it going to sound like and can we have a a ballad on it can it be atmospheric as well as being yeah and he came across and this will be a major theme in this listening to the likes of nine inch nails Mm -hmm. and kmfdm which is a really heavy industrial band and depeche mode
0: Yes, there were bigger. And those
2: bands, you can hear through this whole
0: album. Absolutely, yeah. In
2: different ways. And w- strangely, there's a tribute album out, as we spoke about, uh, at the anniversary of Octoon Baby. And Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode and all are on it.
0: Yeah. Covering the songs in this album. Which, again, shows you the level of, I, you know, but, Nine but, Inch Nails don't appear to go and cover any, <laughs> you know I mean? You it's know, if
2: this was post-Rattle and hum and you two walked out at that gig that yeah. we heard the audio of and went, we're finishing. Mm-hmm you wouldn't hear now I covering a fucking song from joshua tree like no definitely not. but this album mm-hmm. opened them up to electronica and yeah and that ho- whole new wave of electronic music and influenced a lot of it yeah
0: because the context of this is we have to realize that uh, dance music was starting to really and berlin being maybe the, the not the birthplace of it but definitely the sort of place of where it grew there's um, a great
2: great vibe of berlin but what were you going to play and we'll go into this journey? well <laughs> i'm just
0: thinking about when you're talking about the age and all his uh, his cutriments, all, mm-hmm. all of the pedals and stuff. I always remembers uh, reminds me of this bit by Bill Bailey. Um, let me see, I don't know if I have it here, so apologies if it doesn't work, but I haven't played this before. Now you
2: know that uh, band U2, right? they basically got this one sound, don't they? <laughs> Hello!
0: Some old Celtic bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> right. The Edge, yeah,
1: right. So
2: without these effects, they're nothing, right? This is all effects. Even a troll-like figure can recreate them. I'll give
0: you a demonstration of a catastrophic technical failure at the U2 gig, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
0: yeah that's funny but
2: let's get real like if if every effects pedal or modulation running was turned off in most modern rock yes it would also look
0: <laughs> we've talked about this before yeah. about the guitar players and their banks of pedals and yeah. stuff yeah do they need them they, they, they need really them. Yeah, course, need them of course they do uh, so yes we, we start off the album you've got uh, Zoo Station and um you know you, you've you're into some Something different automatically. Oh yeah, uh, it's not it's not the normal. Even the the title Actung um, was a yeah. warning in yeah. German. Uh, and Zoo Station was an actual station on the, on the Berlin uh, Underground or yes, tube yes, yes. Dis- tube system or stations. So uh, also Actung, baby,
2: it, it's from the producers, isn't it? One of the engineers kept talking about the the, the Mel Brooks film. The producers, right? And it's a <laughs> it's a line in it where the groovy hip guy who's now playing Hitler, or one of his uh, corporals, sorry, comes up and goes, Actung, baby! <laughs> <laughs> and your man kept saying it in the studio, and Bonner was like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, but they were really going to call Adam, weren't they?
0: Yeah, it there was, was something be, about that, yeah, because... Because
2: he, he had a nude photo on the, on he the album. He had a nude
0: photo on the album cover, which again, because I mean, you have to... realize that. It might not sound like this today, but they were controversial at that time. Yeah, that was. It yeah. was a big thing, you know. The, 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 was there was going to be a nude picture of of Adam on the cover, on um, the
2: co- and then they X'd it out. It had a black X on it, and some yeah. versions had a shamrock on it, and then the one we know now is none of it at all. No, on the front cover.
0: Uh, it's in the inner sleeve.
2: Um, Aye but on the vinyl apparently it's the full nude. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <not> <laughs> <sound>. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it's just him? The fucking just the wiring out? <laughs> the, old,
0: the old chap out? You're going here, act tongue that why <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at the Zoo Station we got into one of the singles, um, so there's a number of singles from this album, um, which are probably their, up there with their 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 most famous, uh, uh, famous, uh, most famous with uh, Joshua Tree, so yep. uh, then the first one was even better than Real Thing, which became kind of, uh, if you want to call it a, a pop hit then, because it was so well received, I do believe it was used in a lot of adverts at the time. Yeah, I remember
2: um, being in one of the Sky Sports Football, the early Sky Sports, yeah. Um, one of the highlight reel shows or something. Yeah, I just remember it over and over again in football for some reason.
0: But again, um, the sound, the sound was um, just something completely different. Um, fitting in with the theme of the whole album, uh, uh, you know, once you hear one track in this album, you can you, you you know every track in it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I mean, you could at any point in U two's career, this is the one where whatever pedals the fuck Edge was using at the time, um, the guitar is very distinctive in it.
2: It's um, like we said, it's like a, it's very, it's hard to explain to people how difficult it would be to try to make a different. And I know it doesn't sound to your ear that what the Edge is doing is different than what he did on the last album, and that song yeah. sounds similar. But it's really difficult, um, to do what he does. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. And and he's a really good backing singer.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good singer. Um, and, and, and
2: most of the things you thought Bono was singing, yeah, it's, it's actually not a Yeah, he's quite
0: similar to Bono mm-hmm. in, in ways as well, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, well, even better than real thing, as I say, it became a, a big uh, live hit as well. Um, when they it's a it class live. song. Yeah, it's a really good song. Great. Uh, and a lot of, th- I was going to say a, a good thumping bass line, but a lot of good bass lines on, on this album as mm-hmm. well. So, as I say, Adam, you know, they're basic bass lines. Uh, anybody could do them. They're not, you know, he's not Flea. But, um, no, but there's something about it, yeah. When, uh, especially when they were going down the route of being electronic/slash dance, mm-hmm. you know, you need that sort of solidness if you want on in the, in the bass plan. Uh,
2: which, which song, which single uh, charted higher with the Paul Oakland remix? Was it this one?
0: Uh, yeah, even a real thing. Yeah,
2: it actually charted higher than, than, the, than actual the actual single.
0: Single, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the other thing too. You two wanted to be because they had, don't forget they had bought. The kitchen nightclub in dublin around this time um they really wanted to get into the rave scene um so they had djs like oak and fault and all the rest doing remixes of their songs mm-hmm. um uh, but at the same time too no matter what they still had uh the core shows we'll get onto to that in a bit like yeah. the shows were going to then uh, the way I think the way they were explained were they were the gift wrapping around the, the album sort of thing yeah. it was the show was to go with it so but uh, yeah, dance music was a big thing. Uh, dance was, and that's them.
2: that's what scared, particularly Larry Mullen. Because yeah,
0: they didn't want he didn't think we'd go down that route. Um, yeah,
2: and that it indicates a drum machine. Yeah, ultimately, you know, yeah. at the very end of the day, it's, yeah. it's difficult, and it is very difficult to recreate that sound without a drum machine or with massive effects on drums. And yeah, then that gets into your whole psyche of, as an acoustic drummer, are you? W- what way do you feel about that? And some people are terrified by it because, like trigger. Triggers on your drums and stuff uh, making them sound different, but I just think the capability of playing is more important than the sound, to be yeah.
0: honest. And I mean, well now we'll take a wee we'll take a wee dungeon here. Uh, do you ever do any electronic drumming?
2: No, I've used triggers before. Right. And I've explained um, explain triggers to me. Uh, a trigger is a pad that sits clicks on, it looks like a microphone. Do you ever see the D drum red like things that are stuck to the side of turn drummers? Oh Yeah. Yeah. That's a trigger. Right. So if I'm fucking quick setting up didn't tune any of the fucking skins. They're all fucking out of tune. Everything sounds like pish. But out the front when I hit it, that trigger makes the sound perfect every time. So the snare sounds perfect. The kick sounds perfect. The tom sounds perfect. Every time.
0: You should see the confused look on my face right now.
2: Yeah. So if I hit that table mm-hmm. with my finger, mm-hmm. but there was a trigger, the speakers out here behind me, mm-hmm. you would hear a perfect snare sound. It just reverberates off the resonance of the skin. So it knows to make a signal. That signal reacts to a sound. That sound could be a duck or it sound could be a snare. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like an so electronic drum so on like an acoustic. On acoustic okay, right, okay. Jeez, so right, it's what most fucking heavy metal drummers use. Right, Because okay. to do that double kick thing, uh-huh. people can't keep the consistency because they start getting their legs weak. Yes. So it gets lower. But if you have a trigger, you could just be fucking sitting back, tapping away, and it's <laughs> as loud as it was if you were going flat to the mat ah, okay. so it's, they're not just turning up the microphone to make it sound louder because that would distort like fuck they've got yeah. this trigger and it's sending out the perfect sound every time right there so those types of things would terrify people who are acoustic drummers and are used to being I have my kit tuned the way I want it it's the sound I've always wanted
0: I've got mm. the right equipment especially when you're talking about Larry Mullen who came from the fucking RTN boys band exactly <laughs> like
2: a so but what he found was he started using more stuff now you don't see him using acoustics Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, a lot of electronic stuff around him, but all his stuff is triggered. So he can then change That's the sound sick. of that tom. Okay. So you notice as well when he's playing the fly mm-hmm. at the Sydney Zoo TV concert. Yeah. The toms, the, the, the mounted tom in front of him sounds different at the end of the set. So he didn't change the fucking tom. No. They just turned the trigger on. Ah.
0: So they're no, very handy. Every day is a school day, sir. Every day uh okay so that yeah that, that explains an awful lot because i always wondered about was there was it overdubbing or was it overlaying on, on studio yep. stuff like so okay trigger um uh, yeah so even better than real thing then you, you know you move on into probably as you say the ballad if you want to call it that but this song uh, is sort of one of their one of their favorite uh, most famous and it's called one uh Started like this is a sort of weird thing. So you two, whenever they go into the studio, especially when they don't know what the fuck they're doing, which is usually most of the time, uh, they go in and they'll play and play and play, and they'll find a a chord structure they like, or and what uh, you'll see footage of Bono. The way he does it is that they'll be he'll be singing, but there won't be words. They'll just be trying to find the melody, trying to get get the melody, trying to get. So uh, somewhere along the line, um, in a track later on in the album called "Mysterious Ways." Uh, somewhere along the recording of that there's a the bridge basically of Mysterious Ways uh, it led into the, basically what had turned into being one Okay. so they were in the middle of the recording of Mysterious Ways it sort of went to the bridge, they couldn't figure out where to go with this but if you play guitar you, and, and play Mysterious Ways and play one you'll realise the chord structure is the same at that point and if you listen close enough you'll hear where one could have come out of yeah, If you understand um, But So one then became sort of the Well now it's one of their anthems in that sense uh, oh, It's, it's live, But It's massive At the time it was a It was a, a They didn't know what to do with it So they released a couple of different music videos for it There's two or three videos cause that, That's what I was going
2: to say to you Because on the On the Zeropa sort of box set Or the the, the the set that came out after Octone maybe before Zeropa there was like a video release that had all the videos. Yeah. And I remember reading the credits for it in fucking uh, Route 66, <laughs> yonks ago. And there was three different versions of one yeah. ahead of the one I, I knew yeah. and I remembered. But There's I one with them that, dressed
0: as women. There's one yeah. with them. So I think it's because whenever it was released, it started to take on a new life of its own and a new meaning. But I don't really think... It's kind of like... Uh, <laughs> remember the fucking uh, The Police? Every Breath You Take? We oh. talked about that before where it's a stalking song. Stalking song? Yeah. So one has become like almost as if it's like a... You hear it at weddings and you hear people singing to each other. Like we're one and all this kind of crack. And oh, but that's not what it's about. No, that's <laughs> not what it's about. So <laughs> it's about a son having a conversation with his father. And the son has AIDS. Uh, is gay and it's coming out. Is that what it's about? So that's what it's about. So... Um, did I disappoint you did it leave a bad taste in your mouth you act like you ever had love and you want me to go without fucking hell yeah so I uh, didn't know that yeah so that's what it was about initially, you know, and that's what this came about from but now I mean you, you've got people slow dancing to it and their first songs and stuff weddings and weddings oh it's you too Brian you <laughs> we're one but we're not the same like you're born <laughs> in the USA <laughs> it's about America it's about
2: how many America is. it's not it's,
0: it's really, not really not. fucking not <laughs> uh so yeah that's what it was about and that's why they sort of didn't really know because don't forget we're talking 1990 and um the sort of what we know today as being world aids day yep. was really sort of kicking off um and really getting support and awareness and all that sort of stuff so they didn't know how to sort of treat the song in that sense and that's why they had a couple of different attempts at it and
2: uh well the final video and I always forget this, is Anton Corbin.
0: Corbin, yeah. He's he's usually in he's usually
2: doing the ph- photography, photography stuff, yeah. He that's one of his first music videos.
0: Mm-hmm. done some. He's a brilliant Oh, yeah. but
2: he he, he film director, he did the Joy, the or the what do you call it, the Joy Division film?
0: Yeah. Um Control. Control. Yeah.
2: He directed that, it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, unreal. Yeah, yeah visually he's always been great in that. Oh, so right. I've uh, because I've followed you two for years, I've obviously followed his stuff as well. But uh yeah, so I mean, that's where that one. So I mean, that's it's a mad how a, a song can take on a a, a different meaning for. I people. didn't
2: even know that. That's that's fucking.
0: Yeah. Um. So uh, then you after one, I mean because now we have so many. Uh, what well, you've got that. What's that? Really cringe at? You've got the fucking when you two joined up with Mary J Blige to do mm. a version of one like oh boys, what are you doing? Uh, it's not often you get a cover version that's better than the original um, and this is going to maybe be controversial to any of the diehard YouTube fans but I absolutely fucking love it ah, it's a great um, version
2: I'm just going to so, I'm just going to agree with everything you say saying this whole part po- yeah but <laughs> and I'm not to doing it facetiously I mean it, it is actually. Uh,
0: well yeah I won't say who it is because you just you won't need to as soon as you no. hear <laughs>
1: Is it getting better?
0: Mm-hmm. Or do you feel the same? Yep. Yep. So, yeah.
1: Will it make
2: it?
0: 100% man, Willie Nelson. Even. <laughs> 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 Even I Willie. You got brand to join flares? Brand uh, yeah, so Cash's version of one, <clears throat> very few, I know a lot have covered it, but it's very few have uh, done as good a job as that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, uh,
2: it's something else. Yeah. But, but, you, but what you have to remember as well is, C- Cash, during those American recording sessions with Rick Rubin, he was actually unaware of most of the songs he was covering. Yeah. But he knew this one. He knew that one, yeah. So, um, you know, and all the the gospel ones he brought, obviously, he brought, but this was a modern song that Rick Rubin was like, okay, another one, I have to sell them. Yeah. And he put it in, he goes, no, no, I love that song. Yeah. So he knew the lyrics and everything. Really.
0: Um, and that's probably because of the relationship they had whenever they got uh, Cash to sing on Zeroba. Mm-hmm. Which was a big, massive coup and I Oh yeah. I'm nearly sure on any studio album, because I don't count B.B. King on I think that's the only uh guest vocalist that there is on any U two. Bob Dunn? No, not a studio album.
2: Not on the studio? Oh, it was live? Mm-hmm. Mm. And And this is also this uh, is Johnny Cash.
0: I I should say there's a woman has appeared on maybe the most recent album, um, doing backing vocals for the first time. But no, there's no personnel. But there's no not even that. No, not even that personnel. I think they they keep it very close tight, close knit. Um, There's very very few additional. You might have maybe a few additional musicians, but not actually vocalists. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, to give Cash a full song, which was. yeah, massive for them to get to get him into the studio at all. He, and, was, and he was in Dublin, apparently. He was in, uh, playing at the Olympia.
2: That was 92, 93, sort of, And that was before the American recordings as well, wasn't it? Because that was 94, recordings. I think. 94, 95, yeah. So Johnny Cash was nowhere. No. He wasn't known anymore. He was sort of...
0: That's it. That. He had sort of, yeah, yeah, drifted away. Um, But they had got him because he was playing the Olympia for fuck's sake. Nah, like fucking <laughs> uh, So, yeah, the, you, you, the, always a sign of a good... Um, any good track is the covers. You know, yeah. you've got people like that who want to cover. Uh, next track on the album, then we have, um, I'm nearly sure it's Until the End of the World. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a, turned love- out to be a fantastic live track. Yeah. Um, became one of their sort of uh, go-to tracks with Edge. Fucking, really. Some, some great guitar on this as well.
2: It's my favorite song on the album.
0: Oh, is it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, I was dr- I was drawn to this album by The Fly, obviously, because it was released mm. early doors. But then, and listened to it, Zoo Nation got me, obviously, there, there was a bit more. Now, this is early 90s. Yeah, I was starting to listen to heavier stuff. I was starting to listen yeah. to the likes of Nine Inch Nails. But the, uh, when I started hearing that there was a bit more of a, an attack yeah. in every song, one was a welcome release at that point in the album. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, until the end of the world, just felt a bit more melodic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a wee bit more structured than uh, Zoo Station was, but it was the one also that at the start you could hear a lot of influences of the producers, yeah, and who was mixing it. Now we the producers on this album,
0: yeah, I mean you look at the producers like Jesus.
2: Now they, I'm, I'm right here. This, this was like their third album with Lanois and Eno
0: yeah they did the on, yeah the, you know, would have done with steve lilly before that yeah so it aye. would have been that yeah
2: so they did the joshua tree <coughs> more, more importantly they got all the laudits for the joshua tree so it's daniel lanois and mm-hmm. brian Eno. yeah if you don't know who them two are i'm not going to explain to you look it up yeah just check it out yeah but the mixer on this album right is a guy called flood yes flood is an english guy who and i was I, I, i'm aware of him obviously i've been aware of him for a long time but I didn't realize how many of the albums I love he's actually been involved in.
0: Right. I only so, know him for you two. I don't know them for anything else.
2: He engineered all of the major Depeche Mode albums and produced them. Right. He engineered, mixed, and produced the Dermot Spiral by Nails. Oh. He was involved with uh, nearly all of the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Get out of it. did know that. He obviously New Order.
0: Mhm. Not heard uh, about New Order, but I. Uh,
2: he's done modern stuff, um, like Killers and based uh, on PG Harvey stuff, Orbital stuff. Jesus, he's a boy flood and Smash Pumpkins. Wow. That's so some resume. The guy is everywhere, mm-hmm. but you can hear all those artists I've just mentioned. There's an element of them in this album. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah.
2: Uh, and in this song in particular, you can hear a lot of the mix of. Now, he's mixing on this, which means he's he's the guy that's fucking polishing this up. Yeah. Every time Lanois and Eno. Now, <laughs> Lanois produced. Eno is down as producer, but Eno would only, he Eno would disappear. They deliberately gave him a role, and his role is to go away for two months and then come back and hear it fresh and mm-hmm. tell them what's wrong. So Eno would help with song structure. And he would help build the fucking thing.
0: Oh, yeah, he was, uh, I mean.
2: Which is brilliant because it wasn't a concept album. It w- no. It w- there was no theme through it. They didn't know the track listing, as we said. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. No, <laughs> no, no
0: they, they, they just knew they were and trying to... And usually, that knew, goes wrong. Yeah, because uh, all their, their their sort of uh, intentions was we wanted to do something new. Yeah. And that's a very fucking broad. That's, uh, fucking and, and that's
2: fucking nervy. Like. So you're, you're, you're talking about they had the best of the best with them to try to get this right.
0: Uh, and I mean, it does help when you have that um, level of production. Oh on right. any album I mean no matter who you are um, but especially when it's four boys that's sort of improvising in they're the way they do are yeah. improvising but the best thing to about get it the melody and then Bono goes away and writes the lyrics and, and, and sort of comes back with them
2: like we said earlier a lot of the major criticisms that come about from you 2 is they're very ego driven yeah but that's not the case because if you bring in two of the biggest producers on mm-hmm. earth who are also two of the best musicians and songwriters yeah who have wrote albums themselves and performed albums themselves. And then you have an engineer and mixer who's been involved in albums that are changing the fucking landscape. You are not afraid to be criticized.
0: Oh, absolutely. And yeah. you're not
2: afraid to be told that's no. Yeah. We're gonna start again on that.
0: Oh, they definitely they know to take help. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's again, that's what I always liked about them. No, uh, I know this is fucking and uh everybody listening is gonna think fucking Mullen M- 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 must be drugged. Oh. Uh- <laughs> I'm really not, <laughs> but it, it, it has been one of the things. I mean, and and, and obviously we can get into the, the, the problems that maybe faced after yep. the sort of acting, Baby, but the, the tour sort of accentuated all these songs even more. Then mm-hmm. um, we're going to go on because I mean, there's going to be we here to fucking three weeks. Sorry, uh, the uh, Who's Going to Ride Your White Horses? Another mm. uh, another stomper track. Now another single as well. Another single and. I do believe and maybe I'm wrong, Mr Mullen, and I'm uh, I don't know if you know this.
2: Oh fuck. What did I do on you know No you didn't do anything, oh, but sorry. it's just
0: when I talk about cover songs. Um I do believe this is the song Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses is the one and only song of you two that has been covered by Mr Joe Dolan. What? <laughs> is it? <laughs> I have a vague recollection of Joe Dolan And I don't fucking ask me who had it Do we have it? I, 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 I can't find it No, it's not on It's not, and, and I don't know I will find out But I'm nearly sure Joe Dolan released an album That had Who's Gonna Ride Your White Horses on it jo- no, and, I, and that's when I it's knew It's not like a Joe Dolan who used to play with eagles or something It's it's the Joe Dolan The Joe Dolan um, Country and Irish fucking royalty I just That's when I knew you two had made it <laughs> <laughs> when joe dolan is taking Johnny cash from, forget cash forget, forget Jack, boys. Forget nah, nah. Jack White. when joe dolan takes it by you are in why is this nowhere
2: why can't i find it
0: okay i'm gonna find i tell you why i know this is because uh an uncle of mine who <laughs> spends an inordinate amount of time in the bargain bins of uh, record shops and cd shops had the cd and has a copy and i will find it i will get it uh Joe Dolan doing. Who's going to ride your wild horses? Um,
2: is it there? Did you get it? Oh, here YouTube as well. If we can get this out there in the ether, fuck off with your adverts. Aye, just fuck away. We off know your how adverts. to write. We understand. We know how. Grammar. Would you like to
0: hear Philip Pullman? We know what grammar is. We know how to put it into writing. Is this her? Oh Jesus! <laughs> Oh, Joe! He's giving her like stick.
1: Holy oh, fuck!
0: On Come on, Joe. You don't know what can Joe D- <laughs> by. Jesus. do? Jesus!
2: It, it had a lot of promise. up until Joe <laughs> 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 It's <laughs> with the RT orchestra for all those out there that want to find. D- <laughs> I just
0: want to hear him get there. I want to hear the shalala. Shalala. You're
2: an accident. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. you know, you can't. Uh, Every day. That's that's a fuck. That's one. That's one. <laughs> that's going to live with me for a while, <laughs> that
0: one. Uh, yeah, so, Joe uh Who's gonna ride the white horses? Which it <laughs> just sums up the wow, the, wow. Sums up the 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 level of uh, hell. <laughs> level of respect this album got. Um, so <laughs> that, after that uh, bombshell, we have so cruel. Something, another uh, another great track that I, it's, a, um, it's
2: a it's a it's a, one of the nice ones. Yeah, it um, sort of cuts through the.
0: It does, and it's,
2: um, it's... It's sort of, it's such a strange album. You, you literally could have, it could have been a double album, like it could have been, when you think about what we know about Zeropa, uh-huh. and most of Zeropa, is cuts or takes or outtakes from or less, the, yeah. the Octoon Baby Sessions. I don't know if it was Berlin or Dublin when I did most of the writing of these two, but... Uh, and actually, uh,
0: well, previous? the history of it, was no, Zeropa was basically uh, the age's divorce. Oh. Yeah. Um. And actually, pieces need paid. Uh. One of the songs in this "Love Is Blindness" is sort of when they were, he was going through his separation. Mm-hmm. The actual divorce came about. So the story was the time that's where the nightclub in Dublin when it was bought. That age was spending a lot of <laughs> <laughs> late nights in in the nightclub. Natural. But um, it was a rocky time I think for that thing. So he was spending a lot of time with um sounds, effects, and just okay. getting lost in. The, yeah. In, get just get your head away from it. Yeah. Get away from it. And. Spent a lot of time and and basically corralled the rest of them whilst they're on tour mm-hmm. to write fucking zero. But don't forget zero was written on tour, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. recorded. So and it was um,
2: it, it was only two years after
0: only like, two years released after two years so after. It's, not, it's not a full
2: well, it is a full proper album because it was always, it was ten tracks yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's full full album. But um, but we'll just have to say it. Can you imagine if stay was on this album?
0: Oh yeah, I could live without lemon and numb and. Uh, no one can definitely do it, um, but lemon. I always like lemon, but anyway. Uh, so cruel was sort of the. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you would call it. A sort of it's not a filler by no means because I think every track on this um, uh, has its merits. Um,
2: no, I, I I really like that song.
0: Yeah, and it's just the, the problem is sometimes they're they're overshadowed by um, the next two tracks. Yeah. So I mean, to be fair. Yeah, so like you've got The Fly which was their uh, The Fly followed by Mysterious Waves. Now, Mysterious Waves was probably my first unofficial introduction to U2 because um, again, don't forget our age, we were 10 when this album came out um, and I was only just I had just turned um, just turned 12 when it was a robot came out mm-hmm. The Mysterious Waves was used in a 7-Up ad what? There was something in a 7-Up ad that was on TV all the time of a fucking character playing the yo-yo or something. And it was uh, Mysterious oh, yeah, that Ways. We yeah, yeah, Mysterious Ways was on as a track. And uh, that was my first time ever actually, but I didn't know what it was. I just uh, classed it as a, an advertising jingle. You know what I mean? That was my first time ever hearing U2. Until mm. later years, I was like, oh fuck, that's what that was. Um, yeah.
2: That 7-Up Yo-Yo guy was a major influence
0: to a lot of people. Big time. Everybody remembers the 7-W-O game. Yeah, I
2: remember. remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So cruel. (laughs) But the fly. Fly. The fly is the one that, like, everybody, everybody I knew who was into heavy music and was like, aren't you two like a fucking folk band or something? (laughs) (laughs) Because nobody really knew over here what the fuck was going on in America or and humming and why... Mm. Why Bono was wearing a cowboy hat now? <laughs> yeah. um, the fly was like a fucking punch in the gut. It was, it was. a proper heavy rock song, like, in, yeah. and, and, and it was dark.
0: But what came with it, yeah, it was dark. And what came with it was the sort of reimagining of the band, their yeah. image, their look, the way they acted, the way they behaved. Uh, like I said, they really took themselves very seriously in the eighties, and in the nineties, they didn't take themselves seriously at no. all. They just didn't went seem to with be anything. Uh, Bono always told a great story of they had been in Las Vegas um, when Joshua Tree came out and uh, number one in front cover Rolling Stone magazine all this sort of stuff and Sinatra was doing a, a show in uh, Vegas and we're told that these four guys from Ireland are currently number one in the in the billboard charts so Sinatra sort of brings attention to their table and goes these guys are Irish and they're here and he gets them to stand up and they're dressed as you say the mm-hmm. way they dressed Joshua Tree it was a fucking... And Sinatra live on stage In front of the whole Fucking hotel room Goes well those guys They they may be number one But they sure as hell Haven't spent a dime On any
1: clothes
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't fuck with Frank No In Vegas you'd be shot uh, So Bono said That was whenever They realised When they were Fucking mortified In front of a room Full of people Because they dressed Like like homeless people uh, That they thought Maybe we'd go away And then they came back With fucking full on uh, Leather suit. Pleather, even. Um, pleather suit and uh, wrap around sunglasses and the hair all slicked and stuff. So, this idea of kind of like what Boy had been doing in the 70s and stuff was like guess, start this idea of a, a character as such, sort of the fly.
2: I'm glad you brought up Boy. Yeah, Boy was a we, massive We haven't her. really touched on Berlin that which, much. Yeah,
0: which was the reason they had sort of went there in the first place.
2: So, obviously, uh, most people know Boy did the famous Berlin trilogy of albums. Mm hmm. Um, he worked with Iggy Pop in Berlin yeah. uh, he same studios, album. same Han- studios. Hansa Studios yeah. unfortunately <laughs> Hansa Studios is a former SS ballroom yes <laughs> and you two didn't know this mm-hmm. until they turned up and they were like this is a really cool old ballroom and then one yeah, engineer yeah. was like this was a um, SS ballroom Nazis <laughs> and they were like oh fuck
0: the vibe is <laughs> all of a sudden disappeared out of this room There's a great story of them in Berlin Because they were in Berlin This is the other thing, the reason why they were at Berlin There was such a cultural change happening The wall was coming down The Berlin wall was happening yeah. uh the, 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 It was coming down while they were recording in Hans Studios <laughs> The four boys fucking Langard The the night the wall came down They thought they would go out and fucking on the lash And then join in on the street and join in this, the
2: This is party Yeah, it's a party <laughs>
0: So they they go out on the street and their fucking the boys are all yeah and sort of look around them and go people aren't really that happy celebrating that much <laughs> <laughs> they joined the wrong side yeah they were the communists <laughs> and threw them the side so you two you're walking down the street with the fucking communist party yeah um,
2: <laughs> who were actually chanting Chant, negative, get the wall back up and, uh, and they're like fucking like the uh, cathedral,
0: just the fucking <laughs> four pints of Murphy's out. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, so Boy played a big part in, in in all of this. I mean, it, it sort of maybe, and to, sometimes to Bono's detriment went to his head a wee bit about his characters and alter egos and stuff, but what it did do was it gave him a freedom that he didn't have before because he did take everything so serious. And like yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember a clip in Rattling Hum where B.B. King's reading the lyrics and he sort of looks at Bono and goes, man, you wrote this. You're too young for this. Mm. <laughs> you know, the stuff was real serious and love and fucking oh, no death and um so in this one then it's like okay, we're gonna have some fun here. Yeah. The lyrics and everything, you know. And, and even you
2: know, to the extent that the character was used, even in interviews when he wore the wraparound and glasses, he yeah. pretended to be the character. Just, maybe yeah. just talking about an egotistical rock stars. Yeah. And again, and I hate to say it because I'm not a big bono fan. But a lot of people used that against him and thought it was him.
0: I know. I know. And it wasn't him. No, they couldn't, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like somebody uh, holding Ziggy Stardust against yeah. boy, It wasn't the same, yeah. Bowie also know. made a lot of uh, uh, strange well. remarks
2: about Germany whilst in Berlin and dressed in his white suit with his hair slicked to the <laughs> one side and looking yeah. very much like a member of their <laughs> own brotherhood. Um, so people make mistakes. Yes, you know, you know, you pick know.
0: All. Uh, I know our... our, our uh, fellow compadre, uh one of our previous guests, uh, Mr. Bundy. We had this conversation this week on Twitter about, you know, we gotta separate the art from the artist. Mm. Um oh yes. And, yes. <laughs> and especially when it comes to bono uh in, in latter day bono. But at this yeah. stage because it was so uh strange, people didn't really know how to take it. Um but you have these two songs, so you get the fly, which is kind of dark and kind of, as I say, like... Um,
2: but it is one of the best guitar shows on any album I've ever heard in my life.
0: Great guitar. Oh, oh, like it,
2: is, it. it really is. It's, it's, mo- it's one of the most affecting guitar shows because it, it changes shape three or four times in about 30 seconds. And you're like, where's this song going?
0: Why have you never told
2: me this before running me and you might. I think I did tell you this, but we were blutes m'goots, and we were teenagers running around
0: Hunter's Crescent. Me, you know what's about it? Me and you might have relations before this day is out, because you're the, m- you're making me very excited. I don't want to say it. <laughs> um, all I
2: remember, this is actually a funny story, I remember there being a few beers taken in your previous home, and we were all out in the park, and the, I think I think it was one of your brothers, said the funniest the funniest thing he ever seen was me and you shouting about you two at each other. <laughs> but I remember actually saying something about liking this album and you going, You're only <laughs> really just saying that! <laughs>
0: <laughs> just trying to placate me, aren't you? you are only like 15 or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so the, the guitar song this is amazing. The lyrics as well. I mean, there were some, they were out there, but there were, there were sort of like, statements as such, you know, um, every, uh, what is it, every artist is a cannibal, every poet is a thief. Yes. There's loads of those sort of things that were kind of out there and definitely not being um, too serious with things. Yeah,
2: and it was definitely, you could hear that they were being written from the perspective of the character.
0: Yes, absolutely. And then you've got Mysterious Ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mysterious Ways became very, I I would nearly argue and say it's one of their most poppiest Catchiest songs I mean you could put Mysterious Ways on At a disco now And at some point You know They, they were going to be, They danced it Yeah you, you don't know if you could do it With any other Sort of YouTube song But um, This might also Sort of you know, This mm-hmm. might be scandalous But Mysterious Ways Whenever they played it live mm-hmm. You know She moves in Mysterious Ways They had the
2: belly uh, dancer belly
0: dancer Yeah Who is now Mrs. Edge further. Right out there on tour by oh. so it all comes to play now the divorce has happened in 93 sir oh <laughs> fuck yeah yeah oh ah, f- fuck so uh, yes yeah, so um mysterious she does move mysterious ways by uh, <laughs> when she gets the, I'll Is Paul up the, uh, when I love I love moves I just love all right. uh, but this was a tune and, and and it has that groove and you can see the, the belly dancing always worked in a whatever but it has a uh a serious groove accident. You're it talking really about the rhythm if section. You, if you listen
2: to the the song, if you have the opportunity to listen to the speakers, when the bass kicks in, mm-hmm. the fucking bass is everywhere in the song. And again, going back to the comment at the start, it's very difficult to, for me to understand who listens to the fucking rhythm section all the time. On this album, when the rhythm section is on, it's fucking huge.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a big production so You can't ones? really yeah.
2: see, like, it's great writing songs, clearly, that Bono and Edge wrote on their own, but. The four of them need to be together for yeah, it to fucking absolutely, work yeah. like um and, and it's very evident to me in this album, sorry, don't worry Yeah, go you back, can, oh, you it's, can really, it's really, really evident yeah, here. It's,
0: uh, and uh, uh, maybe the one of the best bass playing Adam Clayton has done in yeah. any of the albums. Um and that uh, it's I don't know if that had to do with the fact that it was a sort of reinvigorated sort of passion for music with this new approach to Berlin and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But he definitely changed if you think of what happened was happening in Rattlen Hum. To well,
2: let's mention that as well. They only completed two songs in Berlin. They had the, the bones of every single song, but they couldn't fucking, and they were getting at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of roaring and shouting. There was a few times people threatened to leave in Berlin, and they thought, fuck it, we'll take a few weeks off. And they went to Dublin mm-hmm. and just moved everything to Dublin yeah. and completed it all swiftly. Yeah. They were, I and think, Hanover. They were all... About two miles from home, Mm -hmm. where they recorded this country house in Dublin, and they were just as cozy as could be, could record all night. Nobody had restrictions, and banged out all these fucking amazing songs, which, as we mentioned,
0: a lot didn't get on the album and ended up on the album in
2: Zoropa. So there was a lot of songs. A lot of stuff going on.
0: And they do that. They do that all the time. The last album they brought, I know they released two albums, Innocence and thing. but every time they go into that three to four year gap, They'll come out of there with like thirty, forty songs.
2: Right, oh, it's it's, it's fun. which is quite prolific. Mm-hmm. And
0: and the other thing they do, and I always like this with you too, and, and and their live shows is, if you think of the Stones or you think of the Who, even or any of that sort of thing, every time they released a new album, the Stones especially, uh, a good example, they they may have played one or two tracks. Yeah. Ultimately, in their later part of the years, all people were there for were the hits. You two, the only band I knew that ever at that age were coming out, even their most recent album. And playing eight songs of the album, life. Yeah. you know, they didn't give a fuck that everybody wanted to hear. And like you will have with with a forty year catalog, there's a lot of hits not being played, of course. And people annoyed. Like the last time I went to see you two, they didn't play one. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't on the set list, and you're thinking fuck, that's a massive tune mm-hmm. not being played. Um But again, it's because they make way for the new stuff, and they always have done that through it all the time, and they've been there. Um so, yeah, I always like that it's that nice. Sometimes it might be to their detriment that they've stuck through because mm. some of the recent stuff has been monyaki. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> but We're going to play the first six <laughs> tracks from <laughs> Robrania. For
2: fuck me.
0: Um, but they've always done that. They've always sort of kept that. And I think it keeps them interested as well as anything else. But I've said this before on a previous podcast about, um, I think it was Kings of Leon maybe, about how born watch them live not just their performance born but the music was born yeah you too. will whether it's the fly for instance i could hear a version of the fly and i'll be able to tell you oh that's from the zoo tv tour oh they do different or that's from the 2001 tour or that you know they 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 always reinvent it might not be a big reinvention Mm -hmm. but they'll add in a a remix in the end of it or they'll add a thing into it or blah blah. blah. they never do anything the same twice well i'll
2: say as well before we move on to the next track this tour, there's a tour that followed Acting Baby, mm. um, was deemed the greatest stadium tour that's ever happened. Yeah, it, it was, was like trip. voted numerous times as the best show you'll ever see live. Yeah, it was. So Zoo TV was like a kind of <coughs> talk about Zoo TV. it's
0: like a trash type of uh, like uh, like we we're in the midst th- of us. We talked about it, the Berlin sort of slash Euro trash type mm-hmm. thing, but we were definitely satellite TV was just coming in. Especially to Ireland, didn't we? Um, we were starting to get more channels. Americans were now already at the nine hundred channels level. Yeah. We were, we were getting there. They had cable. Um, weird satellite. Yeah, and uh, so it was kind of a, a, a two fingers up from you two to that to say. Yeah, they were. They were why not come phone. along to? Uh, if everybody's yeah. getting so bad into. Uh, it basically, is like the same as today with the smartphones. It was like, oh, if you really have to come to see TV, come and watch. <laughs> we'll put yeah. TV on for you. So it was the stage set up, yeah. All it was the TVs and all the light, uh, and then two fucking big trabants, uh huh, in the middle of it, used as lights. Yeah, um, fucking cars, man. Yeah, so the trabants were like the uh, they were like the the basic most basic model of car you get in Germany, um, post war Germany, and uh, yeah, they had two of them hanging from the uh, from the top of the ceiling with uh, lights on them. Um, but then the swing about, swinging about. But the TVs were the were the big thing. The TVs were the TVs were the big thing. So I remember it was, it was a massive multimedia thing because
2: it was. But it was a big fuck you to multimedia as well because yeah. what they were saying was this technology is here and it's great, but you don't you aren't using it for the best fucking means. No, uh, you're using it for trashy TV and reality TV and soap operas and all yeah. those bollocks and and poor political broadcasting, yeah. not covering the truth. And I remember at MTV Music Awards, whatever year it was, 1993, where they went live. Uh to wherever you two were playing and you got a snippet at the end of a song and then it was Bono interacting back with MTV live at an award show Mm -hmm. while he was on the fucking
0: thing to Sarajevo. right. uh
2: I was going, what the fuck is going Uh on these U2 shows? Even then I was thinking,
0: it must ground, be incredible. Like, well, it's groundbreaking and in, in, in every sense of the way. I mean, no, you that's think that's, it, that's
2: easy now because it's all digital broadcasts. Yeah, you could
0: But time, fucking sorry, that, that, that time, wasn't yeah, the fucking no, case in the early nineties. Like. That was highlighting satellite technology, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, even the the, the broadcasts that they did do sometimes there were live telephone calls to the White House or whatever. Mm-hmm. When Bono would go character and stuff. But I mean, it still was, uh, and I've never. That's all I've ever experienced seeing U2 So i never seen U2 and Joshua Tree Stage It was just a, a bare stage mm-hmm. Four boys uh, I've never seen that So I started Fucking my first concert was Popmart So I started with the Extreme Which again was a big what, fucking massive, show Massive show But every show they've ever put on Has always been that And that's where You definitely get your, your value for money in it When it comes to production To the point Popmart, nearly micro them, Themselves Putting it on yeah. It costs so much money um well so you can either classes as being slash egotistical slash stupid <laughs> um b- or slash brave but either way they're always taking chances and they're always doing something different but zoo tv sort of uh it it was a a chance for them to really again as towards the end of their tour because the tour lasted maybe two, two, two and a half and a half years i remember it being in dublin rds in 94 and by that stage, I had been a year long into YouTube, fucking, was, and I was, wasn't was allowed to go. Oh, I was going to say, did you go? No, my aunts and uncles were going, and I wasn't allowed to go, because so I'm too young.
2: many shows have you seen now? Mm,
0: I don't know. I, do, it's
2: in the double figures, like?
0: Oh, yeah. So, I've seen every tour since Pop Mart, and then of each tour, I would have been at every gig. So, they made it on, like, each, like, the last tour was three nights at Cook Park, so I was there for all three nights, sort of thing. Fuck. Um, well, no, two nights, maybe, I had the three. For, yeah. for
2: people to be thinking early 90s the the staple was in the early 90s you would bring out another big band on tour mm-hmm. you wouldn't bring out a young up and coming band because um, you, you know they're going to play the same playing field as you Yeah, and what that means is they're not going to stick to the rules no. and play at a lower level and realize they're a rock show the headliner needs to be the fucking yeah but you two are already the pinnacle because when you the support slot stops they build the stage yeah and this fucking Goliath is happening. So no matter what happens, yeah, no matter you forgot who are, yeah, yeah. But the support bands on uh-huh. the Zouropa Z- uh-huh. were the fucking Pixies, yeah. Primus, Soundgarden and Public Enemy. Yeah. And lots more. Mm-hmm. Uh, stereo MCs and stuff were on for a while. and But they took out people to give them a go.
0: yeah. And as time went on, in more recent years, Arcade Fire... Yeah, uh, the killers when they were didn't know what you were. Um, loads of bands come mm-hmm. out that uh, the script, they give the script to fucking. But know. what they're
2: saying to them is, you're going to get to experience this. Yeah, which is, you know, and they give them the full go. Mm-hmm. They give them their own. So- they give yeah. them their sound desk. They give them mixes yeah. that are as good as you two. So they're like, why would we want any part of our show to be less than? Yeah, that's, and that's that, incredible. Yeah, and, as and a, they've kept that a major to band you. like yeah. you don't do that. Like, no, definitely not.
0: And uh, so you then have. Uh, we're going to have to get on here. So, yep. we then you're to come to uh, trying to throw your arms around the world, mm-hmm. which was a great track.
2: Which, if you play uh, the intro, we have it here. And for us now, it's very evident. Yeah. But back then, this is probably one of the first trip hop songs. Peru, yeah. So what I mean? Yeah. There. Yeah. Look, it's a very yeah, ambient. Yeah. yeah. That's a great
1: bit of music. Uh,
0: also, also, the track I played for my GCSE practical. Yeah! yeah. Big F. Yeah, I uh, failed. Yeah. No, no, I, got, I got, a good, got a good pass, boy. I got a good pass. Come Come me and the acoustic guitar singing out about a try and throw your arms around the world. Should a fucking. Two some doll from fucking Banger who was sitting. Rage. <laughs> Mark in the practical right. Her about 72 <laughs> 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 Should have brought the row in To bring some of the The only good thing was The lyrics always hel- uh, Must have helped me out In that one Because <laughs> there is a great line That I always uh, Just because it was funny And because they didn't Really take it serious uh, A woman needs a man Like a fish needs a bicycle Yes Was always one of my Favourite lines I love that And uh, so yeah uh, my, my Modulator If you want to call her that
2: She uh, She really didn't know What
0: to fucking do with this No So uh, she just went Yeah pass Um, But yeah, great tune and uh, some some fantastic lyrics in it. And uh, again, it's kind of one of the first songs you see Bono going into his falsetto mode. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Adam Clayton, Bono wasn't a great singer. Um, If you listen back to the 80s and if you listen back to... Now, obviously, some of the songs like Joshua Tree and all the rest. But when the Joshua Tree was being released, they did the B-sides. And one of the B-sides was the sweetest thing. Mm -hmm. which they redid in 19 whatever. you should hear that (laughs) really (laughs) oh bad oh my really? really bad Uh, and that's the original version of it and I think that's why he wanted to redo it in the later years because he realised how fucking bad he was he couldn't understand uh, his voice just dramatically changed and improved he worked on a lot and he got this falsetto thing where he can go really high and uh, he couldn't do it for sweetest thing back in that. So if you put the two together, so
2: the big story that he he did it again because he missed his wife's. No, that's why was, that's
0: why it was written in the first place. Oh, that was f- originally. I thought the it was re- because no, no, no. Re- when it was re-released, it no, was? no, no. That's why it was written in the first. That was place. originally. He forgot, it was his written? Bur- forgot her birthday. Yeah, right. and he originally wrote it again, and uh, I think then it was it was sort of a thorn in the side because I remember playing it somewhere. It was on the they released it like recently on the best of B sides or whatever, and. Uh, I think one of my brothers in Twinkman and I we went who the fuck's singing that and I was like oh, no, get the fuck as he is Bad, it? Like so Did his voice was, isn't it? his voice really really improved over the years um, and this is one of the tunes where the falsetto was coming yeah. through you can hear the backing vocals of that uh, and as you say yeah Trip Hop it was quite it was, out there so quite so I remember even back, back then
2: going that sounds like a fucking massive attack tricky album
0: yeah and that, that bass line again and Adam Clayton as much as I say he doesn't <laughs> do an awful lot You can really really see his influence on it yeah uh, right, so then we have uh, Ultraviolet, Light My Way, which, um, again, is, uh, has sort of taken on a whole new level live. They've recently did it this last maybe 10 years, so we've started playing it. Um, but another just fucking great song.
2: I like, but another one people would say was just a throwaway song the album. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's if you take the singles out of this, it's a fucking mighty album. Yeah. Put the singles in, it's a fantastic
0: album. Yeah, um, and even like it's, it's the only, I've talked about this in the previous podcast, where sometimes I avoid singles. Mm-hmm. and this is one album where I don't no um, definitely not the rest of definitely. the albums or the, the singles just you cannot get you get sick of them uh, the second last track is actually my uh, most favourite U2 track Ooh, which I is, just found out yeah um, so Acrobat is um, I don't know why I don't know what it was about it um, lyrics and, and sound and I love the drums in it mm-hmm. um, the, although it's it's technically could have been done by a loop machine yeah, It's still, you can hear it being done live And actually, Larry Mullen did a fucking great uh, job on it At the recent uh, tour they did mm.
2: uh,
0: I'd never heard it live It was my first time getting to hear it live in the last tour And he fucking played a blinder on drums Which I'd never seen again So <laughs> you, do as well
2: You've only seen them play it live? I've only seen them play it live once yeah. Oh, very good
0: um, And let me see if I can get it here Uh Let's take a look at this point. Like this. Yeah, so the drums in this.
1: You swallow, or you can stay, you can throw it.
0: Obviously as a teenager and a young teen I obviously loved that line Don't let the bastards grind you down um, Which obviously isn't his line But it's still uh, the song saying that But there was a couple of other great lines And uh, yeah I don't know what it was about it And then I actually read uh, In later years They released a fucking like I don't know Some fucking shit for U2 But it was the first time The the four boys had picked out Their their likes and whatever And it turns out Agrabaz Bano's favourite U2 song Oh really? Yeah I didn't know that I was like Oh for fuck's sake there you go, Raging. Now so, it sounds like you just copied him. Copied him. You know, and I was like, I "Fucking, can't you know, pick some other song, you fucking ball bag?" Here, here,
2: here. We're doing a, we are doing a good job of not. <laughs> I didn't even react to Bono that fucking way on this.
0: That's how much, uh, yeah. You know, stealing my fucking favorite song. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was a great um, uh, one of the lines in it. Um, uh, I joined the movement if there was one I could believe in. And I'd break bread and wine if there was a church I could receive in. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that going, oh, Jesus. Because don't forget the timing for us, you know, you're mm-hmm. talking in the mid-90s, so you're still um, you're still in the in the throes of the troubles or the end of the troubles and stuff, you know, and you've got this somebody coming out saying, uh, I don't give a fuck what movement do you want to join or what church you want to go because I don't belong there.
2: He had a tendency to say um, that a lot though, didn't he?
0: Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he talked a lot about it. <laughs> oh, I talked a lot of dung. Um... But in saying that, this is the thing, and this is what and then in a defensive thing of you two is that I'll take two thousand and one as a good example. I went to see two concerts that summer. One was Oasis at Finsbury Park and one was U two at Slane. But now the difference between the two, forget about the actual shows and the music and all the rest, it's just the messages coming out of one. So out of one, which was the Oasis one, I came out being told I was not a wanker. And I should go and fuck off because we're all fucking cons. Yeah. I was like, lovely. I just paid £50 of a fucking ticket out for that ticket to be told I can't. And then the other one, you heard an awful lot about Amnesty International. Mm-hmm. So where? <laughs> <we're
1: laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Which one was the better one to be going to? you know what I mean? And there are going to people listen, going, "Oh, no, you should be better going to the one being called a cunt. Yeah. And I'm like, not really. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, and uh, you can see what they were trying to do. They took, took two minutes out to go and say to people, come join up, come to this international and see what's happening when you have 80,000 people in front of you yeah, instead it's, of it's spitting at them and calling them cons. I was like, right, see you later.
2: Did, did Liam Gallagher spit at you?
0: Uh, all the way to the fucking back. He has some gobbling, boys. i sure is, we knew that. Uh, a wild strength, must. He's gobbling away all the time. Uh, the throat muscles are strong in that one. That must be from all the sucking cock. But so. Yeah! Fuck you, Yeah, ball back. Anyway, another way he listens all. No? Um, Bolivia <laughs> <laughs> so the, I'm not saying anymore not the boys uh, final track then so uh, a, a really really um, really amazing track um,
2: yeah it's I, I, I was not aware of how many people covered this fucking song
0: mm, a lot of people covering it um, again lyrically uh, just Bono can write some fucking amazing lyrics. Yeah, When he's on farm, he's on, on farm. Um, but this, a lot of this boils down to the age. Um, there's a lot of the age's um, separation, apparently, was going on at the time of even just recording the solo. Um, uh-huh. you so, mean, do you
2: want to reference that as just when, belly, when the age fucked a belly dancer? And then he had to get divorced from his wife, who took him to the fucking cleaners. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. That um, time. That time. That's the one. That, aye, that was, sorry. <laughs> That's a good old that solo that was heavily based on Lost Money. Cry, Stupid bitch. And actually, what you know, but uh, it, it's, you know, love is blindness. I don't want to see. And uh, again, some pretty fucking deep. Uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> it is. But when it came live, it was, uh, It took on another life like most of the songs But like you say then loads of covers Sort of popped up along the way This is it live at the uh, Zoo TV uh, Live in Sydney Love is
1: blindness
0: And I wanna
1: see Won't you wrap the night Around me
0: Take my heart it's blindness. yeah, so it's 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 one of the ballads it's uh but it's a dark one mm, it's very dark, very dark and uh, sonically and lyrically, and all the rest it goes with it, and then you've got that sort of mad uh how a guitarist to tell me what that fucking what he's doing there when he's constantly um strumming This that's
2: f- called uh wanker bitten.
0: Wanker well, he's wanker baiting at the in the middle of the solo. That's During the flange. <laughs> Flanage <baiting. laughs> On this pod flap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's fantastic. But then so you've got a more the most recent one, maybe uh, we talked about it earlier was Jack Jack White doing yes. um Love is Blindness for that actung maybe sort of cover album, but then it was uh on the Great Gatsby um soundtrack. Okay. Um the the Capri, the, yeah, the yeah. remake. So it was on that, but um turns out uh, Jackie boy. At the same time, when recording "Love Is Blindness," was going through his own uh, type of separation. Oh,
2: boys, what are you doing.
0: And uh, so, inter- the age was interviewed after the cover, and he was like, "I totally felt every note of that when he play- <laughs> <laughs> when he played that And it's true when you listen back. <laughs> if you get a if you get a chance to hear Jack White's version of it, he is destroying <laughs> that guitar. <Yeah. laughs> he is beating the shit out <laughs> so, of it. Uh it's a
2: heavy solo. Like, this is the sound of a man's pockets emptying
0: <laughs> <laughs> and tears streaming down his face. And, uh, uh, if you go to if you go to uh to YouTube and type in Love is Blindness, Love and Blindness Jack White comes up before Love is Blindness. It's a duty. great cover. It is a really good um, cover. Um I'm gonna try and see if we can get uh Jack po- <laughs> Jack feeling it? Trying to find if yeah, when Jack <laughs> feels it towards the end where he's you know, like you genuinely think if there was a camera recording this, this counts. naked. Kicking walls? No, this counts naked. <laughs> There's only a couple of sips left of a Jack Daniels bottle sitting oh, beside yeah. him, and he's got the guitar on, and he is crying his eyes out. <laughs> um, I don't know whereabouts in the song. We'll have to try and find it. Here we see.
1: Yeah, here he comes. That almost makes
2: sense.
1: Get, get.
2: Mixed <laughs> up my money, baby. By the way, we're not we're not referencing that they're crying because their wife left them. <laughs> we're referencing that they're raging that they have half their money gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, notes. Okay,
1: yeah. <laughs> Never like <laughs>
0: another <laughs> 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 It's so great, yeah. That is a great version of this one. Uh, amazing. Again, like, Ian, like uh, Johnny Cash's version of one, there's not too many, I would say, is uh, up there or as good as mm. the uh, original, but that is. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Acton Baby finishes with uh, Love is Blindness and, um, and quite true, Roland, Love is Blindness. Because me, uh-huh. me and you both are women. Oh, you thought you meant me and you? Well, we are. We're blinded by our love. Blindly in love. Our blind drunk.
2: Blinded by
0: fat love. <laughs> 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 no need for fat. Here, uh, yes. Yeah, so I mean, fat cock. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 definitely not a lamb about uh, the, uh, the, the,
2: the, the way this sort of ends is there's a great quote from Bono, and he said that we were so glad when this this ended, only because it was the sound of four men chopping down the Joshua tree. Oh, I was like, "That yes. is fucking brilliant."
0: Yeah. It was it was a, a, an anchor hanging over their head in that mm-hmm. sense, um, because and that's why the Joshua Tree isn't here today on the best of the best because it's as an all-encompassing package as an album. There's yeah. some maybe I would argue the first seven or eight maybe, um, but yeah, uh, this is different in that sense. That it's just I can't pick out in a week. No, track. neither
2: can I, and the. This type of experiment by a band at this point in their career yeah.
0: usually goes really wrong. Yeah, it never fulfills its potential, and what they've done here—well, this is—I the, think they actually superseded the potential because I don't think they even realized how well it was going to be received. Yeah, because they were taking such a gamble, um, and how well it fits in and stands the test of time. Mm. Like you could put that album on today, and it'll sound like it was made today. Yeah, it's fucking but you couldn't huge. put the Joshua Tree on today. You know, it nah. f- feels like it's old. This doesn't. It's always and and the the sort of the sonic level that Age always talks about that he tries to get, and that sonic feeling. Um, it's it's so unique this album that mm. it didn't. I didn't even transfer onto not even Giroper or anything. I don't know what it was. As you say, maybe it was the surroundings. It was. The bits of Berlin, and inspiration, and then taking it back to Dublin, whatever the case may be, but mm. something magical happened on this album. Definitely. Uh, yeah, am I, somebody said,
2: or online, I was reading yesterday, somebody said that Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me was, the guts
0: of it were written for acting as well. Yeah, they were part of that whole, Yeah, and again, I, know, I love that song. It's a wild tune. I man. love that fucking that's song. It's a wild tune. Um, and that's the thing, and that's why, I sort whatever of, was going on,
2: Yeah. in that year and a half, two years, now, between Joshua Tree, their first or their their last recorded full album. There's yeah. four years,
0: like yeah. They always they they would always usually have like a, a three to four year gap between an album.
2: But in that four years, they released another album and took time out, took time away. Yeah. But that time away, that brief time away, whatever happened there, it orchestrated the rest of their career.
0: Yeah, changed everything for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I hate them getting such a bad rap now. Because again, if you take the the art uh, the artist away um, and just leave the art, there have been some really good gems on some of the albums um, of tunes but they never get the chance and they're not going to get the chance and that's just the way they, they get the chance outside of Ireland and outside the UK but uh, the backlash they got when they put the album on I- uh, the iTunes yeah. on iPhones um, which again Larry called from day one oh he, he said fu- it's going to be a fucking ball. he called it from day one again there was a row he was going to be breaking out he said nobody fucking wants us <laughs> invading the fucking space he was outvoted and of course he got to do it. I told you so.
2: Yeah, I remember that fucking backlash. It was pretty bad for it's a
0: free album. It's like. for a free album. like You know what I mean? That,
2: that, that's, that's
0: when you're wondering what you... And I get to the point now, and you're. Uh, I did see somewhere recently where Bono said something about his legacy. Because I think it might have been after Bowie died. And it's like, musically, they've done some f- fucking brilliant stuff, but that's not going to be remembered. No, you not know, not sort gonna of get, sad. And it's really sad that because it's going to be remembered for the fucking you know the tax evasion or whatever you want to call it the uh the spoofing spoofing about the fucking poverty and debt and all you know that's going to hang over them but musically they they created some amazing pieces
2: mm-hmm. now the, the, there's things that can happen they can change there can be a tour where everything can go back yeah um but it'll need to
0: be a phenomenal i honestly don't know a culture shift I don't as well as and, know if bono could do anything in this country to to solve the problem and I, I i pains me to say that because i think he should be lauded as much as phil Lind or Christy Mirror or anybody from ireland has been writing songs but i don't think he's gonna get i think he's no. gonna get you know especially online not around the world around the world he is revered and respected and for what he's done and all the rest but here it's it's just a typical fucking irish begrudgery going fuck you, you can't no, um, and I feel sad for the likes of his family and stuff like that. You know, because they must get a lot of fucking. I know his son has now got a new band out, um, and they're actually very good. Um, but I don't know if he's going to get much of a chance, you know, locally.
2: Ach, but sure, he's swimming in the fucking money, sure.
0: Money can buy you happiness, running, but sure, it can sure buy you Ferrari. Sure, sure, don't we know that? I can buy you a fucking Ferrari. Buy you, buy you Ferrari. Another thing too, like I mean, that's uh, you, you get lambasted for being a good businessman. So he's seen... Yeah, anybody seen, else doing that, it wouldn't have... It wouldn't have mattered. But uh, well, not it. only
2: anybody else doing that, other people have done that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And are currently doing it and aren't getting criticised for it. Yeah. That's because he
0: goes out and talks about... Yeah, and he opened debt. up... But he's, he's talking about global debt. Like, it's not like... Even if he gave up all his fucking money, it's not going to... It's no, a it, No, it's not it would just be, about yeah. solve
2: <laughs> the bottom corner of Uganda. <laughs> it wouldn't help anything... Uh, yeah. And you shouldn't have to It doesn't matter I If, know, but if it's, you make it's, money it's, it's not fucking uh, to be given away
0: I think he's sort of The old saying around your own uh he, he, he made his own rod To beat his back He did you know, If you put yourself in that position It's your own fucking fault In that sense But I just think the hatred's Too visceral It's too deep It's pretty big um, And I have to admit For somebody that hasn't Fucking done anything wrong no, In that sense When go, you think of the going level back,
2: of, Going back to this and going back to the old footage and the old recordings and outtakes and all this and listening to the zoo tv tour again and we, me and karen watched that last night and we were both just fuck me that's mind-blowing like yeah i, I sort of i've I've, resu- I've i've went down a wee bit <laughs> on my scale of mental fuck you, who, who said you <laughs> Fucking, you know but it just i can't get over just start Any time I heard him talk, I was always like, "What's he gonna say?" And and it, what yeah. he was saying was never about how mighty he is and how thing. He was talking with other people or other organizations yeah. or other countries, and and I would immediately negate him.
0: Is it just a thing where we just don't like? You know, it's better just to shut up the fucking just sing. Sort of, you know, and, and that that's fair enough. But then that's not. I don't know. You wouldn't get the music they produced because that wouldn't have been his personality. I don't know. Fuck, that's a weird mm-hmm. one. But I do believe. Just I always I said this in a previous podcast, and you disagreed with me. I just feel sorry for Edge, Larry and Adam, because they they seem to be sound. <laughs> they seem to be all right. It's just that other can't fucking. I think the rest. they're all sound <laughs> at one point.
2: Bono took a turn when he decided he was an R and B rock pioneer. Oh yeah, sheriff of yeah. the world, and it just sort of
0: the Facebook thing didn't help either. Which one was that? Oh, yeah. Oh, you didn't know that. Okay. So. Um, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, it's getting. He's just a good businessman. Go ahead. So, before Facebook went public, good old bonbon um, invested. Well, that's fucking smart. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's What's good. wrong with No, Nothing. But because uh, he got money. So he. <laughs> he didn't have money. He didn't need money. Aye. No. No. 1.1 billion he made on her. What?
2: <laughs> How long there? That's not money. That's <laughs> That's money. That's. That's changing a yeah. town's life
0: yeah. money. Made a lot of money on Facebook.
2: Here, man, if you're fucking, yeah. if you're sh- smart, you're smart and
0: shrewd enough and seeing what's coming, fucking fair play to you. Um, unless you're Bono, you're unless not Unless you're then. Bono, I'm not allowed to. Um, but yeah, that's why they had initially uh, sort of removed their things, but people don't give them credit for that. Um, for the 25 years they were based in Dublin and pumping money into the economy and different things.
2: And the amount of tourism that came to where U2
0: from. The U2 wall, the fucking the, the mm-hmm. v- tours, the v- visits and all the rest, the hotel stays. Uh, but anyway, don't worry about that because he's just a con. But a con that produced a marvellous album in Actung baby. Yeah. So regardless of what you think of U2, regardless how much you disagree with whatever we're talking about today, surely you could not disagree with when you click. On play on Acton baby, and start here in Zoo Station. That right the way through to Love Is Blindness, you're pretty much you're enraptured by. Mm-hmm.
2: And big shout out to Connor McGill because mm-hmm. he was the one that bought the album that I first listened to it. Oh, nice. I was sitting in the house with Liam. Liam McGill's gonna love being on the podcast with Bono. Oh, um, M- and,
0: M- and Liam. Uh, if you're listening, Liam, Liam McGill. Uh, you know Liam McGill and Bono's keep saying Liam McGill. Liam McGill's relationship with Bono is. <laughs> It, no, notorious? but it, it is notorious, and it's uh, it's actually to the point where I'm worried that he's in love with them.
2: It's the purest example of the first pure
0: example of hate that I have ever seen. Yeah, I've never. But you know, do you ever hear that phrase, "The lady doth protest too much"? Oh, yes. Do you know what I mean? I I have a funny feeling. Mm-hmm. I, if you if you if mm-hmm. I ran up now to Liam's fucking bedroom, follow, I would find him in there rubbing himself to with without you, bono sheets. You know right. <laughs> Wearing a pair of wraparound shades <laughs> and nothing else.
2: <laughs> but Connor bought it. Connor had it, and <laughs> as soon as I heard the fly video, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds a bit." Uh, but t- I, th- I think it it was I Tony, think Liam
0: liked it too. To be fair, Tony McCants and our in our clan had was the first one to have it as well. So uh, yeah, it uh, it was just uh, that 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 sound and that um, yeah at that time. I mean, that, this is all of what we're talking about in these podcast episodes. That sometimes it's as much to do with the context of when it came out or when we found it. Uh, as, as much as it has to do with the actual time it f- physically came mm. out. Um, so yes, please go and listen. Um, uh, it's available, obviously, everywhere, just like this podcast. And please tell your, your buddies, your friends. Um, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Where is the best place to leave a comment? I've Apparently it's one. iTunes. Okay. So but but you then you don't see the iTunes
2: comments on anything else. And we don't get notification that they've commented Oh right, okay, um so I don't know just I subscribe, guess. just fucking listen download it and listen uh, I, don't, I don't really...
0: Tell people uh, uh yeah, now, I know if you're a uh, um and like me, I've had to um spend more time explaining to people what a podcast is <laughs> <laughs> the... as opposed to giving them the link to go and listen to it. yeah uh we are aware um but we 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 are aware of our our South American contingency is growing. We have. Uh,
2: I I can't wrap my head around man. Even the last week since I posted that thing on Facebook, there's been more. Right. South American countries have popped up in viewership or listenership. Sorry. Yeah. I, I don't fucking
0: know. And the Bolivian too are back. They're there. They're back again. And I don't know. You know, lads, you're very welcome. Uh, we love you and a big shout out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, you you were just for a while there. Uh, well, but
2: New Year, like Christmas, New Year, there was not a fucking paper. Not
0: a paper, Mama, Papa, we're getting worried about you. You know, mom mm-hmm. um, so and Duddy. mom and Duddy. keep in touch, here, sir. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, uh, spread the word across the good globe, and, uh, <laughs> it's and so fucking weird. That is very strange. <laughs> across
2: the it's so weird, like
0: very very strange, and uh, yeah, so people in America and uh, Mexico, our second, Mexico. our second, second biggest yeah. listenership uh, is America, America, which is. Um, I don't know if I'm fucking get of it. But. Yeah, okay. So thank you very much for listening, and we will be back again next week. And uh, so it's goodbye for me, and it's goodbye from Ronan. Bono's not a cunt.